Whole Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, May the 3rd, 2017. Hi, I'm Peter Tessie covering the Winnipeg Jets. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. <clears throat> and I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. And who's this guy in the corner here? Hey, all. How are you doing? Hello. Sorry I'm late. Uh, we just just started, so you can yeah. say you're yeah. Eklund. Yeah, I'm Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. <laughs> um, yeah, I just jumped in. Um, I actually was talking to somebody and chasing a little bit of a rumor um, that I wanted to talk about for a second. Okay. Um, and that is um, Jonathan Drouin back in the rumor mill. Um, of course, um, many of you may have heard, I think yesterday, was it McKenzie who tweeted out something about him? Well, Larry, Larry Brooks wrote in his Slapshots column on Sunday about Iserman using him as bait to get them a top four defenseman because he's an RFA along with Pilat and Johnson and obviously the stuff that happened last year uh, with his, you know, demanding to be traded. That he, the, the market is – he had a good year and the market is basically there for them to maybe move him out as a young forward and get a young defenseman back. Yeah, um, and I think that that's I think that that's actually pretty fair um, an assessment. And the two the two teams I heard really connected most with him so far, and I've been looking into it like just just for about oh my gosh, since like eight o'clock this morning, so four or five hours um, would be Carolina and Montreal. Um, and you know, I'm kind of surprised a little bit by Montreal, but I I know. I know that Claude Julien wants to do big things in Montreal. He, he really he wants to change everything. I, I, I've heard I've heard that he's really not happy with the team he's had. He has there. So, um, you know that's the that's the word on the street. Julien, you know, it's just not his team. Carolina has a lot of defense, and Carolina has been talking, of course, you know, about the big word in Carolina seems to be they want to do what the Predators did when they moved Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. Like that's uh -huh. Carolina. So. Yeah, but the thing is, all right, so when you make this trade with Carolina, even if you're getting what you believe is to, to be a top four, most right. likely you're getting somebody really early in their career, and it's possible that they're not. They're not getting a an established top four. They're not. No. Not with Carolina. No, I mean, I mean the name with Carolina that's been popping up over the last couple weeks after Elliot Friedman reported about it was Noah Hannafin. And yeah, I don't think you're getting Hannafin for Drewan. I don't. Hard to say. It is from my perspective. I mean, I'm just saying, if it were me, no way in hell I make that trade. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would not move. I, I would not either. And I think Drewan does have a little bit of a stigma on him to a degree, for sure. You know, um, there was a you know, and he's got an agent that people don't like to deal with. That's also true, and and that and that does play into this stuff. You know, I mean, as people in Edmonton about how Rich Winter fared with a lot of their players back in the day. Well, so, yeah, it's um, it definitely plays into it for sure. So, well, to, let's let's extrapolate from from that. Aki, the the two teams you mentioned, Carolina and Montreal. If you know, obviously, if I'm Steve Eiserman, I'm asking for. You know, you're not going to – I don't think you're going to get Justin Falk, although he's short on – I think he's got two years left in his contract. So you're asking for a guy who's 21 or 22 years old, as Duran is, you're asking for Hannafin, who's a younger player, who's only 20. If you're, if you're, if you're talking to Mark Bergevin and, you're, and, you're, and he's interested in Duran, the first name that comes out of my mouth is Sergachev. 
And if he does, and if it's and if it's not Sergachev, then I hang up the phone because otherwise, no, I I would disagree on that one, Mike. I think it would be below because I don't think Claude Julian has has meshed with Nathan Below. I kind of noticed that in the playoffs. So I think actually it would be it would be him over Sergachev. I actually heard that name being mentioned. So um. yeah, but I mean, honestly, honestly, Russ, I mean, you know, I I like Nathan Below. I think he's a I think he's a good defenseman. Yeah. But if you're talking about a guy. Who is a top three pick? Who has shown? I don't think that matters anymore. No, I, I know. It does, I know. It, I know yeah. it doesn't matter anymore. Once he's picked, he's picked. But I'm saying yeah. he's shown that type of ability in terms of being a top three or you know a top six winger. You can't take a guy who's you know Bulio has been around for a while, and I think that the book is sort of out on him. That maybe at best he's a three four defenseman. You want to get you want a guy who's comparably aged. And I think who has the top end, the ability to be a top pairing defenseman, and that's why I asked for Sergachev, and I play hardball. Either I'm getting Sergachev, or we're not talking trade, and then you move on to some other place. Like, you know, you mentioned you mentioned Winnipeg. last year, you'd move on to Winnipeg, and you look at Jacob Truba, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> ah, of course, I mean, oh, wait, if Duran could become available, Truba. I mean, I was going to say before, go on, go on, right. say before Truba. Um, Bulio or Bulo, however you want to say it. I, I, I've heard everybody say everything on him. I get crazy with this. Um, well, I'll say Bulio for today. Bulio. He's, he, he's still 24. Yeah. And at the end of the day, still could grow a little bit. Sure. As far as mindset, system, right guy, wrong, you know, wrong coach, that kind of thing. And and same with Durant. I, I think, but to find comparably aged, you can only find that on match.com. When we see these trades <laughs> trying to happen. It doesn't really happen. Jeez. There you go. Thank you. Well, I, I, sure, I sure as hell can't find it on Match.com. It happened, Russ. But here's the thing. They oh. do happen now. Like, I mean, they, they we have seen recently trades happen. You know, like we, we saw. No, no, we see trades happen. From, but when these demands are made that I'm going to trade this like it was for Truba, but I want this in return, it's right. almost impossible. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk Truba for a second. Um, okay. Truba is available. Um, teams have been talking. Yeah, I know Buffalo has interest in Truba. <laughs> That's the name I keep hearing. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, I know Toronto has interest in Truba. Yeah. Um, yeah. New Jersey has interest in Truba. First of um, all, Buffalo's interested in any defenseman that's breathing, that's got a pulse because their defense true. is that bad. That's true. Um, but, you know, so why don't you want um, – I mean, when you look at who you can get back for Truba, Duran's pretty good. And that's a pretty good – that's a pretty good – player absolutely and you know you could have this wonderful duran ehlers line a line right and just yeah. and it would be building putting the pair from the halifax mooseheads back together but it just leaves a gaping massive flesh wound of a hole in the leg of the jets defense like it's that bad like you take yeah. out truba it's you it's josh morrissey and a bunch of aging guys isn't and, that and what's a gonna happen anyhow though peter what? Isn't that what's going to happen inevitably anyhow? Maybe, but I mean, the thing I keep thinking about when it comes to this offseason is perhaps we have the ingredients for some really crazy trades because of the expansion draft, which is obvious. Not a great draft. Okay, not great. And the fact that there's this cap scenario going on and teams of cap space and wheeling and dealing in three-way options. I think the Jets would move Truba, 
but I don't think they would do it to keep someone like Duran without parlaying someone else into a defenseman. Yeah, I mean, they're, I, I just, they're, yeah. A, and I think they want the ingredients to allow that diversity to happen. I mean, I it makes the, it makes a, a, a Johansson, Seth Jones type deal makes no sense for Winnipeg if they're getting the forward. It makes yeah. the it makes the sense in the opposite. Them trading one of their forwards to get a defenseman, not Ehlers or something, but trading a Brian Little or trading somebody like that yeah. to get a defenseman. That deal makes more sense. Um, yeah, I, I think Dayoff is going to stick with what he has said. I think he's wrong, but I think he's going to stick with what he said and say, I want a defenseman, a comparably aged defenseman, yeah. in a deal to get Truba. And that's why I don't think Truba is moving unless they, you know, if no. if if Toronto offers Jake Gardner in a deal for Truba, it's not going to be head up. It's going to be Jake Gardner and something else yeah. because Jake yeah. Gardner is a few years older and I don't think he's as good as Truba. You know, here's the thing. I, the, the problem, and again, it's not a problem trading Jacob Truba, but it's a problem because everybody knows he's not going back to Winnipeg. And so yeah. that does lower the trade value. And then so now you're trying to match up contracts or something similar because when he gets traded, there's not going to be a lot of term on his contract. And the guy you're getting back, you probably want to get more term. But you're never going to get somebody at the same level as Truba. You're going to get somebody from another team that's in a similar contract situation or much younger who you think can be Truba. Like, I don't think you're going to get that equal player. Right. Yeah, you no. might get something back. There's no one for offense, one. it's different. There's no one for one in this. No. Maybe you could find a, a solution where Ron Hextall has been punched in the side of the head and does something goofy, but it's well, not going to happen. Yeah, but uh, going going back to Duran Atkin, and I know I know that you mentioned this team when the rumors when when he basically said I'm not playing for Syracuse anymore. I'm not playing. I'm waiting for a trade. The one that makes all the sense in the world is Colorado because of the, the relationship and the, the combo of him and Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. And if you take Colorado at face value in terms of them maybe redoing that franchise, they do have defensemen who might fit what Tampa Bay is looking for, Eric Johnson or maybe Tyson Berry, although Tyson Berry is, a, is an offenseman. He's not a defenseman, yeah. so I don't know how that fits yeah. with John Cooper. They really have the right defenseman. Um, the – the funny thing about this is, and that I'm, and I know these teams pretty well, so I, but I haven't put them into the rumor yet, which tells you that I really can't find any information on on this being true. But uh, you know, it, it, this is, I will throw this out there that this time of year, it's very difficult to get people right because, like, you know, you're talking to people. There's a lot of people that just aren't around for teams that aren't in the playoffs right now, or teams that are in the playoffs. They're not going to talk trade with you at all because they're in the playoffs, and that you don't even you can't even make that call. <laughs> you can say, yeah, hey, you're going to make a trade, you know, because they're in the playoffs. <laughs> but um. You know, but the two teams that have been most consistently pursuing Drewan have been Nashville and Philadelphia. And I mean, and it, and now, and it's been it's been fascinating because they both have consistently. I mean, back to when we're talking two trade deadlines ago, when Drewan was available, or you know, prob maybe available or whatever, and they were talking about it. Both those teams, every time Drewan's names come up, both those teams have been involved in it. Well, if you okay, if you take the premise that everybody sort of believes is that Duran is being used to get a defenseman, right? Nashville makes little sense for one reason: they've got four good ones right now, 
But if they trade an Ekholm or trade an Ellis, then, you know, really, I think they weaken themselves. Well, what do they, they have really in their system, Russ? I mean, what does Nashville have in their system? <laughs> you know, off the top of my head, I got to look real quick. I mean, Philly, obviously, I know. I'll go to Philly first while I'm looking at Nashville. Yeah, well, Philly, Philly, Philly makes it more sense. Is Eiserman looking for the same age, the same thing that – that um. We, have, we don't know. I don't think we know. No, no. Right now. I mean, actually, no. He would take an older play because defense. You know, here. Let me throw throw a name out. This is a this is a wild wild ass guess. Okay, just out of the blue. But a team that could do something unpredictable. What about the Canucks and Chris Tanev? Yeah, yeah. but but Chris. I mean, Chris Tanev, for lack of a better description, he's a defenseman. He's a he's defenseman. Offense. But he. But he's. But he's. He's a defense-only defenseman. He's not an offensive defenseman. He can no. skate, and he's had some injury problems. I, honestly, I think the team that would would you know I've been looking at scenarios for where Arizona trades Oliver Ekman Larson because I think they're going to before his contract is up, and that kind of situation makes a lot of sense because they need you know they want young players to build around Ekman Larson I don't think is going to re-sign with them when his contract is up in 2 years and you would go to a team like Tampa Bay where you know you've got Hedman you've got Strawman you've got that that Swedish cohort there I think that would fit really well uh right. in, in Tampa so here's who Nashville has they have Jack Dowdy who I like a lot went in 2014 but he's just gotten through his first year in the A he definitely needs another year in the A, but he could be a really good defenseman with some offense. Alexander Carrier played a little bit. He played two games this year. Uh, again, he's he's a smaller guy at 5'11", has offense. There's no question. He could be like, you know, Toby Enstrom, something like that. I, I, don't, think, I don't think that that's what they're looking for. And then when you go up, the next thing they have is Sam Gerrard, who is – Five foot nine, but is a offensive wizard, and I don't even think Nashville would want to give him up because if at some point, if you want somebody to team with Ryan Ellis and have just crazy offensive skill, you would have that. So right. I think yeah, I mean outside of the top four, you're talking about Anthony Batetto and Petter Granberg, and you know you're you're, you're and Yannick Weber. You're not talking about defensemen right. who will solve the problem that Tampa is looking to solve with trading Drew. you're looking for a top four defenseman. Right, and you're looking for, and this is why I think um, Nashville's a better fit than Philly, because I actually think that, because um, I do think that, you know, like Peter asked the question, which was really appropriate, is what are they looking for age-wise? And Tampa's looking to win now. Like, they yeah. are they are absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, so I'm throwing, I would throw Ekholm into this, like, con conversation. You know, like, I think that, you know, plus. it's possible. Plus more than that, but like that's the kind of thinking that you're like, okay, Ekholm and you know a prospect or something like that. But what you know, and it's you know, it's but Nashville doesn't have anybody necessarily to right. replace him right away. That's the yeah, problem. They, they you know, they have a history of you know, of, you, you know, they have a history of being able to bring to find defense, right? And they also have a you know, they also have money to spend, you know, and they're going to have more money to spend because I and I know for a fact, you know that. If the Predators make it to the conference finals, that's a huge deal for the Predators as far as, you know, next year goes. I mean, that let, extra money is let, let, let me throw out some wild speculation. And, Peter, you're, you're muted, so you have to unmute yourself. Um, what about head up, one for one, Drew Ann for Shane Gostaspear? Nope. I don't think so. Um, Gostaspear is way popular here in Philadelphia despite what happened this year. Um, 
and I don't, and I, and I think that <clears throat> I honestly think you know that Hackstall is more in more in danger than Gossespierre as the year goes on if the, if things don't go well next year. So I think Gossespierre is. I mean, and I also don't think that's really what Tampa wants. Like I think Tampa is not looking in that direction necessarily. I think like if Tampa trades with Carolina, I think who they really want is Justin Falk. Well, that's definitely who they want. Yeah, and they're not getting that. And they're not getting him. No, and that and that's that's definitely what where they're thinking though. That that's that's where I think. Look, if if Philly were were willing to trade Travis Sanheim, that could do the deal. But that would be up to Tampa if they think they could slot him in right away because he's that close. I believe that Philly would do that, um, just from talking to people. But I don't think I don't think that I don't think Tampa Bay would do that. I don't think that's enough. I, I mean, they, right now Travis Sanheim hasn't played a game in the NHL. Yeah, but his Sanheim, but Sanheim has been, you know, I don't think that's precluding the trade though. I don't. No, I, I think he's a great prospect, and you know, if for teams that are looking for, yeah, that, though. I mean, in the AHL, like I mean, and Russ knows this too. Like they, they people really downplay how how good Sandheim was. I mean, he was really good there. And, he was great this year. And he's, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be up there with, you know, but it's, but, but it's, but it's the whole, it's the whole thing that where Drew has proved at the NHL level in the playoffs, the type of player that he is. I mean, he played very well last year in the playoffs. He had a good year this year, especially with the fact that a lot of players got injured in Tampa and he sort of took the ball and ran with it. So you're talking about a proven NHL player, over two years, and a guy who hasn't played the game in, the, in a game in the NHL, I think Sandheim is a great prospect. I would, if I'm, a, if I'm a team like Toronto or Buffalo or the teams out there that need defense, I'm interested in Travis Sandheim. I'm just saying for Drouin, it would probably take more than Sandheim, and I don't know whether Hex, Hextall would do that. It would. It, um, well, it depends how much more you know. Like I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking about more, I think you're talking about then a draft pick, and I think he would do that. Because of where they, because of this first round pick, I mean, because they got this, I mean, this, this, that finishing in the second spot, Philly, and I wasn't on the day that you guys discussed it, um, because I was, I was out with my kid, dealing with sicknesses and stuff like that. But um, I need, I really am dying. I like, I want to watch the show because you did, I'm sure, talk about the difference. Did you talk about that that day or no? Yes, we did. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm really, you know, as just a fan, interested in the differences between Nico versus Nolan and all that. But um, I know the Flyers are just over the moon about this, you know, like the fact that they got this player and they, they feel like they could be getting their, you know, a, the future franchise player. They, they love both of those guys. So it's depending, you know, so that, that does change, I think how they view second and third round picks. Like, I think that definitely changes the perspective. So like, if you put like a, okay, say a third round pick in Sandheim, you know, or you just let Sandheim play with the Flyers for a little while and show what he's about, you know, and then and then make the trade, you know, like move because Duran's not up yet, right? Like he's still no, he's an RF, he's an RFA this summer. That's why I think he's oh, this summer. sorry, yeah. So that won't happen yeah. then. I mean, you've yeah. got you've got Pilot, you've got Johnson, and you've got Duran. And if they're and if they're trading Duran, that means they want to sign Pilot and Johnson to extension. Here's the interesting thing: Duran got half his points on the power play. Yeah, yeah. you can make the argument that if Sandheim is ready, he can make up a lot of those points on the power play. Yeah, like if nothing else, by at least setting up other players to score those points. So I don't think the hole is as big as it seems. I yeah, I think what I saw, I agree with you, Russ. I mean, based on what I saw, and I went to see him play a couple times this year, and I you know watched it, and just talking to the Flyer scouts who are usually very 
bearish or whatever whatever the bad thing is bullish or bearish i never know whatever the bad thing is on on defensemen right they yeah. they the fire scouts are not usually glowing even about like even about programs you always hear things oh well you know he's got a lot of problems got a lot of mistakes da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. but with, with sandheim it was like it's been like convinced they're convinced you know um, which is why, because they really liked the fact he went to the AHL, which is why I think the Flyers actually want Nico, not Nolan, because that they could send him to the AHL if they had well, to. I think that that's a yeah. big deal. Yeah, but there, there are indications right now that the that the Devils favor Heishier over over Patrick. Right. I mean, we will we'll be going back and forth on this we'll for about that. the next six weeks. I mean, yeah, that, that could be a little bit of gamesmanship, but we'll see. It could be. Now, so, no, go ahead, Peter. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, here's no one's talked about two things with the Flyers. One. Would it be time if you could get Duran? Would it be time to cut bait on Giroux? No, and they're not like, cutting bait on Giroux. No, they're not. They can't really. Um, but he they, has full say. That's the first thing. He does have yeah, full yeah. say. He wants to stay. You know, the thing about Giroux is that again, you know, I think he played an entire year hurt. You know, like it's he like did. You know, it started from the World Cup and it never got better. I watched it happen. I was at the World. You know, and, and he refuses to sit out games. That's probably to his detriment. Yeah, totally is, and it makes it, it makes it makes everybody in Philly go, "Oh, you should trade him. He's not performing." But the bottom line is, he should have sat out like two months at the beginning of the year and didn't do it. So, you know, and you know, if he comes back healthy and and reinvigorated, and if you can get him some kind of like a half another skilled player to play with too in this first or second pick, that'll also play into Giroux. that'll also play into Giroux's thinking because Giroux really needs. Like Giroux has has suffered by not having like a guy like Danny Breer on the team, like just a guy who's like completely, hundred percent skilled, and that you know I mean Voracek is that player, but not Voracek is much more of an individual type player, and that's why Giroux and Voracek go back and forth. And Voracek wants to skate the puck the whole way himself. That's Voracek's game. So, you know that's that's that. So anyway, but I mean I think it's really it is fascinating. Um, you know that there is no. There are some people in Philly, and it's weird. It's a very small group who want Giroux traded. You hear it, but it's yeah, not. Yeah, I just think they're. That's the people. that's the reaction. That's the reactionary crowd. That's, that's the reaction of a guy who's like getting paid eight million dollars a year, but didn't yeah. scored only you know how many goals did he get in the twenties, right? So yeah. I mean, you're looking at that. That's the problem, right? So, but I think, but but Sandheim. You know, it's not unreasonable to think he could step in and be a top four defender. He had thirty-seven points this year. He had ten goals. Ten goals is, is legitimate. Like anywhere you get ten goals as a defenseman, that shows that you know you have a little bit more going than than just getting racking up assists. And watching him play in the last couple of rookie camps, you know, you just really realize. I mean, I, that's the only time I've really got to see him. In he's getting stronger. He he's yeah. he's he's gradually putting on muscle and a little bit of weight, but his speed is even better. Like he. He had a little problem with his skating stride two years ago. He no longer has that problem. And his anticipation is crazy. Like he's very. That's where I think his game's at. That's he reminds me of. You know, he doesn't skate like Kimo Timonen or anything like that. But he's got the anticipation that Timonen had. Yeah, and a much longer reach. You yeah. you, look, you look at the situation that Tampa's in right now with their defense. I mean, they have they've Stroman and Hedman locked up. They just you know Hedman's going into the first year of the extension. But if you look after that. You know, Jason Garrison's in the final year of his deal. I think he's wow. slipping. Uh, uh, Braden Coburn is Braden Coburn. I don't think he's really changed that much. They've got they've yeah, got a young. I mean, at this point, Coburn's slipping down the chart, though. Right. They got a young defenseman in Slater Cuckoo, who I think is is somebody who will factor in in the maybe their bottom their bottom pairing. And then after that, you've got you know the statue named Andre Schuster, who I don't understand why he plays in the league because he's terrible, uh, and Jake Dotchin, who uh, might have a little bit of an upside. But, you know, they, they clearly need 
a 3-4 defenseman right now. And that's why I'm saying I think it's going to be somebody more established and not somebody who – It doesn't have to be. I, you know, I yeah. – I, I agree, Mike, that that's probably what they want. You could put, you could put Sandheim with Braden Coburn as an example, and, and Coburn will help this kid along. Like, Coburn is great. Yeah, Coburn is – I don't see that as being a bad thing. At no, some I, I point, someone's going to have to put Sandheim in the, in the league and get him playing. Like, it, it's going to have to happen. And well, I'll tell you why it didn't this year, Peter. It didn't because they wanted him to play top power play, yeah. number one guy. They wanted him to do yeah. all those things rather than playing bottom pairing minutes it's, on a team struggle. It's an and that makes sense. Yeah. It was interesting because the Flyers managed to stay healthy on defense most of the year too. So you never saw right. three guys go down at the same time. And you, you, know, you, 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 I thought you'd see Sandheim a couple games. You know, like I thought you'd see him at some point. Yeah, but they, they they just stayed healthy. I mean, they – but he's like – he's – you know, Provorov is – I think the way the Flyers see it, Goss is here, Provorov is here, and Sandheim's in the middle. Um, and I really do think they see Sandheim as better than Goss is here. And what about guys like Moran and Hag and – No, and those, those guys are right. You know, I think Goss is above them. But, you know, Moran they see really high. Um, but not – you know – Billy Myers. Mor- Moran's going to be a, a role player, so he'll – he but might he, even play this year, but he's going to be a bottom pairing guy if he plays. Yeah, um, Myers' defense is going to be crazy. Myers is going to depend on his health because he's had a couple of really serious injuries that it looks like he's come back from. If he stays healthy, he could definitely be a second pairing defenseman with great offensive upside. But that's if he stays healthy. Yeah, which is why, and all this young defense—not to get too flyer centric here—but all these young, look, you could potentially have five defensemen where Gossesiers maybe has the most experience of five of right. the defensemen next year, which is crazy, right? Um, but that is why the Flyers' goaltending decision is going to be so hugely important because they have they they don't have a goalie signed, right? So they're going to have to sign a goalie, and I think they're going to have to go for an experienced goalie who well, is willing to handle that kind of situation because with all this young rush, puck crashing defenseman, it's going to be a lot of action. You know, I'm wondering I'm wonder, wondering whether we'll see a preemptive move out of Ron Hextall because we saw the, the Scott Darling trade with Carolina uh, on the uh, on the weekend. Uh, I think it was Pierre Lebrun reported that there had been a couple inquiries with the Kings about the rights to Ben Bishop and whether, you know, I, I don't know whether what teams they were. He didn't make the, it didn't name them in the report, but Philadelphia with their sort of uncertain goaltending situation, it would make sense for them to maybe trade a third round pick to get the negotiating rights to Bishop before July 1st. Bishop last year, I, I talked about it a lot on the show and on, in my blog. Bishop is the guy that they were thinking was going to be their guy. That, that, that's the guy they wanted to go for. And they didn't know whether they'd be able to get him or not. They didn't know what is, you know, but, but that, that would be their first choice. And I think Mason would probably be their second choice. Like, I think they like Mason enough. They would bring him back for another short contract. Um, they wanted, but they want to do a two-year or three-year max deal with somebody. Right. So whether or not you can get Bishop for that or not, or whether or yeah, not. I don't think Bishop will come for two years. Five years. It'll be five years for Bishop. And yeah, I don't think yeah. the Flyers would do five years. I think they'll do five. So it's very possible Mason comes back. Um, I think I think what's going to happen is I think the pre the thing, Mike, it's going to be very boring. Jordan Wheel will get signed to a contract. After that, they're going to wait until after free agency opens, after the expansion draft. They'll make an offer to Mason, and they'll probably make an offer to one other goalie and then see what happens. I think that's what they're going to do. And if they and if they do that, then what they're doing is they're they're setting it up for Carter Hart two years down yeah. the road. And I think that's what they're setting it up for anyhow. 
There's no question that's what they're doing. I mean, they they see him, you know, in the highest, highest. And I'm not taking anything away from Sandstrom, who could be a terrific goalie, too. But it's just, I think that's ultimately what they are setting up for. And I don't think you can get Bishop. See, the old Flyers would sign Bishop to a five-year deal, and then the system would start to get. Right, and then just deal with it. Deal with it after two years, right? That's right. what they do. But you know that that's not what Hextall is going to do, and you know, and plus they, I think, think they really see their team. You know, and this is why you know with whoever they get, say they get Nolan Patrick or they get Nico, um, and then they have you know, say they make a move for Duran or something like that. Now you're looking at okay, you have a very young team. You know, if you go into that direction, you've got these five young defensemen. You know, so you can really you can really take the next couple of years with a goalie, and then wait for Hart to get there. Um, you know, and the, the expectations in Philly will be very different than they've been in the past because, you know, I mean, in a way, like, you know, 2010, I won't say messed up the Flyers, but it sort of, it always messes up the team when you, when you over, over, you know, achieve like that, you know, yeah. like it's a great thing to go to the Stanley Cup finals. But when you made the, made the playoffs because of a shootout on the last day of the season, you know, the, like your, the, your future is very different from where it would have been if you lose that shootout versus going to the Stanley Cup finals. And I think that that really, they're just getting out of that now, but it's, it's you know, there's, and it took six years to get out of that. Yeah. So anyway, let's move on to the games from last night because, you know, we're talking, we're talking, we can talk about the stuff in the summer, but it is fun to do. Enough flyer buzz. I agree. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't to the extent of the um, war of attrition that happened in Pittsburgh, Washington, but I think, you know, not only the rain, did the Rangers potentially turn the series around with a, a fairly dominant performance, but the losses of Zach Smith and possibly Bobby Ryan. I mean, Bobby Ryan limped off the ice in the third period and didn't come back. If those are serious injuries for Ottawa, I think that that game last night is a potential turning point in the ser- in the series for the Rangers. Yeah, I think Smith will be back. Ryan could miss a game. Here's what they finally did, the Rangers, and this is what we were talking about. With the one-three-one, you've got to you've got to be faster than those guys and beat them to every puck battle, and they did. They they got to the puck first every time all game long. And they hadn't done that really in the playoffs. Like that might have been their most complete game in the playoffs because yeah. they really did have that going. They, you know, Grabner scoring was a big deal because it seems like when he gets you a goal. It, that fires him up. I don't know why. It's just one of those random things. Lundqvist wasn't even tested in the first period. Like, he really – he had an easy go of it. But after that, you know, Ottawa did wake up a little bit. But now now it has shifted to the pressure is on Boucher because now now the Rangers have won a few at the Garden. So, they you know, they've got the fans back. They've got, they've got their gravitas back a little at the Garden. And now Boucher is going to have to pull something else out besides the 1-3-1. Because now the Rangers at least showed that they could beat that and they could beat it handily. Yeah. There was nothing Ottawa could do in that game. Like there was never a chance when that they were coming back in that game. To me, the yes. biggest the biggest thing about this game altogether was, you know, I mean, yeah, Bobby Ryan going down is a big deal, but Carlson just not looking right. Yeah, he didn't look right. I agree with that. Whether or not that's a, that's the injury slowly wearing on him, or well, whatever. He, he actually got clipped by a Ranger player. It was incidental, but he got clipped on the foot. There was a contact between the skate of a Ranger player and Carlson. I think it was in the second period, and he really the his impact on the game really did not show up in the second half. So yeah, it didn't. 
in a and, they, and they strangely they put Fanuf with Carlson. They switched up their pairings. They put Fanuf yeah. with Carlson and Mathot with CC, which is a little strange because he plays with Mathot all the time. Unless Mathot just can't, uh, you know, with his injury can't uh, handle the puck or whatever, and they don't want to move because they're like, okay, we got you know we got we. I, I saw it as as. Carlson's hurt. We got to cover. We got to cover, yeah. and you know, because we still has to do is like you can't let Carlson's not play offense, right? You have to say, Carl, you got to go do your thing still offensively. Right. But if you're not gonna be able to get back as well on the defensive end, you know, we're gonna have enough cover for you. Yeah, um, and I think that's what they're going for. Hoffman and Stone were not as big of factors. They had some shots, but I'll tell you, the one guy the Rangers can't cover is Kyle Turris. Like he's the one guy who's driving them crazy. And 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 and. and, and and Peugeot. I mean, come on. Yeah, Peugeot still yeah. has a <laughs> he, Peugeot is your twenty seventeen come from out of nowhere I, player I, of the year. I love that. Chris Contos and D John Drews rolled into one. No, I've, I've, yeah. I've been a Peugeot. You know, guys know. I think I've been a Peugeot fan from day one. I, I yeah, you, you bought a jersey, right? Eck? I have a Peugeot. I have, <laughs> I have every jersey he's ever worn on the wall over there, right? Now. As, as as I as I said, Russ, this is revenge for for talk about minutia here. Nineteen seventy nine playoffs, Kings versus Rangers. Nick Fatiu in street clothes beats up the backup goaltender for the L.A. Kings during a bench clearing brawl. It is it was John Gabriel Pajot's uncle Paul. So gotta, this is this is revenge. I got to tell you something. What? You take Nick Fatiu now, even with his hip surgery, he would go and beat up Pajot, the young one. <laughs> Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. Now, Pajot is a, is, a, is a stud. I mean, I, he's just playing yeah. so well right now. And, he's and, playing great. So he's and, a problem, too. But this is this is now switched to all this being – this is tremendous pressure now for Boucher because oh yeah. he's got home ice. The Rangers yeah. have flipped the script on him. And now his one trick that has been working for most of the year and mo and the first two games of the series didn't work. Well, and so now yeah. we got to see. Well, we said it. We said but, it yesterday, Russ. I mean, Jan and Jan and you both said it was imperative that the Rangers got out to that, got out to the lead, yeah. and got the MSG crowd uh, behind them. I don't know if I buy. I don't know if I buy the the the, the fact that Pierre Maguire said that the MSG crowd is worth a goal. I I, I think that's a little. Yeah, I think that's a little a uh, little much. But it was louder than I'd heard it in a while. Yeah. It, yeah. No. It, Here's the thing about the Rangers. That was the first game this season that they haven't looked reactionary in a game. That's true. They took control of the game. Although and absolutely, and 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 like even against Montreal, it was Lundqvist save us, and hopefully we catch them. But that was the first game they actually did something that made them take charge. Although Chris Kreider was a bit reactionary when he chopped at Fanuf's leg and on on the power play. I mean, Kreider's got to stop that crap. I mean, he's a he's a talented offensive player. That was an awful penalty. Yeah, it was a terrible penalty. Terrible. No, I agree. I mean, I, I think it also – it's like, you know, when Rick Nash decides to play, you know, it, it, it makes a huge difference. I mean, like, to me, the, you know, that was the first game in the series that Rick Nash decided to play. Just like in Montreal, the first game in the series that Rick Nash decided to play. Turn that series around. It's, you know, here's the thing. You don't want to rip the guy because he does have other attributes, right? And you don't want to think about the contract – but it's hard when when people sort of elevate the fact that he scores a goal. Well, that's his third of the playoffs. Three's not a lot. I mean, if you're talking about a guy who's supposed to be the best offensive player on the team, it's not a lot. Right. It's just, it's half of what Pajot has. Yeah. Or it's that's one less than Pajot had in one game. But everybody overcompensates for this, and I probably went the other way. So I do try and give him credit when he deserves it, and he deserved it for that game. But again – 
you still, it's only three goals. He has not really put a stamp on a game where it's like, okay, he got a hat trick. Okay, he got four goals or three points, rather. As much as we want Rick Nash, and Rick Nash should be at this point in his career and has been at times in his career, you know, a goal scorer, I still I think Rick Nash's actual value is in the stuff he does away from the puck. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. But his defensive play, like it, last night, he was really good defensively. Like there were moments when he took, you know, and that's where, you know, and he is a goal scorer, but he doesn't, you know, maybe he's lost a load of his goal scoring, but he shouldn't have lost his defensive game, and that's the thing that, you know, when he when he doesn't show up to play defense, I mean, you know, there's a lot. I mean, the thing about that I really liked about that game last night afterwards, watching it, I love the way Boucher reacted to the whole thing um, in his press conference because Boucher in the past, you know, would have given you like the laser stare of death, you know, and that you would have, you would have seen like, you know, because he, there's no one scarier when he's angry than Boucher, than Guy Boucher. Like he is, I've done press conferences with him after he's lost and that guy is insane. You know, like yeah, but- I mean, but but they were playing. They were sort of playing with house money. I mean, they won the first two at home. The pressure's all on the Rangers. If the Rangers didn't come up big, then you know he had control, complete control of the series. So I mean, it's easy for him to say, "Well, that's a slap in the face," or whatever, whatever statement he said. But you know, no. I mean, I, I think you know the, the Senators had. I'm saying is when he said he said, "Listen, you know, you can't manufacture." desperation you know he's like that that he's like i'm sitting there they're a des- they have desperation we don't i mean it's just the bottom line is we talked about it all week but you can't manufacture and it's nice to hear a coach actually honestly say that because you don't see that very often like coaches are always you know i mean the bottom line is sometimes that now the thing is this you know the way the momentum and i'm a you know i do believe in momentum in the playoffs i know a lot of people don't but i do believe in momentum in the playoffs and the way and i but i don't always think it works to your advantage like the way this plays out here is the Rangers now, when they play the next game, which is what? They play Thursday, I guess? Thursday. All right, when they play that game, the Rangers, if I'm a Rangers person, I'm like saying they won too easily almost in this game. Yeah, I agree with that. And they've got to work as hard, you know, and expect to work as hard because that, you know, it's almost better in a game like that to win in a real tough battle again to realize you have to – but they really played a team in Ottawa that – that was did look like they were playing with house money, and did expect. And I think that the only way Ottawa was going to win that game was if the Rangers self-destructed, which the Rangers weren't going to do. So now, but now at the end of the day, it's two on Ottawa, and the Rangers can't have a bad game on Thursday. <laughs> you know, that's the thing they can't. They they could easily win this game, series in six. The Rangers could, but but they can't have a bad game on Thursday. So like that. Hold on. Here here's the thing though. So so I have a friend who works for AP, Dennis Gorman, who. Did get the death stare from Elaine Vigneault, and I'm trying to get the uh, the quote here. He posts a lot, so you got to give me a minute. But but the, just to show you that even in a win, there is some there's some issue here where there's a little bit of contention. Keep talking, I'll find it. It's just yeah, no, I mean, I, this is my this is my favorite 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 moment with Boucher. One second, I got to show you this. This is too funny. Okay. Um, I remember this, and I was at this press conference, and here's here's the uh, photo. Check this out. That's just freaking terrifying. Sorry, I mean, like to me, <laughs> Boucher is complete. I mean, he is when he is mad. Um, you really think that he is going to kill you, and the scar just like adds to it all. You know, like it's completely, it's amazing to me. Like that's just like he looks like a Bond villain, like. No, he really does, and he he's he's Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Oh, there you go. He really, though, he went to Europe, and he did 
like we talked about before, like I heard that, I remember talking about before, the reason I picked Ottawa to make the playoffs was because of this. I said that that guy learned something this year. Like I, I just felt like he learned something in Europe when he said, when he had that interview before the year where it did not sound like Guy Boucher talking. It sounded like a way more mature coach. So to me, um, you know, that, that's really been the difference. Like that he's, he, he's, he's, he's the best coach in the playoffs right now in my mind. Like he's, well, he and Laviolette are taking, are taking, oh. I'll I'll yeah. give I'll give while while Russ is looking for. All right, I got I'll it. Give, I got it. Got it. Okay, give go the ahead. Two things. No, give the two things, and then I'll I'll, I'll do it. No, the, the the one thing the one thing that I that I saw from Vino that I mean everybody knows they he put in Tanner Glass and Tanner Glass you know gave the amount of energy that you expected from Tanner Glass, but you know I in the end I don't think that's a move that's gonna that's gonna win a series for you. But one thing that he did do he moved JT Miller down on that fourth line with with Fast and with Lindbergh, and right. that line was a lot more effective. Yeah, um, it had had more of an offensive uh, offensive uh, um, tinge to it. I mean, they, they, that uh, Lindbergh scored a goal set up by Miller, so I liked first that move. Ever, which is cool. First playoff goal. Yeah, I mean, I liked that move, and it sort of diversified their offense even more throughout four lines. And, the, and honestly, I think the guy that Ottawa cannot match up against, just like the you know the Rangers can't match up the tourists, the guy that Ottawa can't match up against is Grabner. They cannot catch him. And their defense, other yeah. than Carlson, I think is a bit slow afoot. So. It seems like every time Grabner scores, it hurts them mentally. All right, here are the two things. So first one was Craig Anderson didn't like the fact that Dennis asked him if there's a communication problem between he and his defenseman on the second goal. He didn't like that at all. But <laughs> it did look like there was, to be fair. Yeah. That, that was one thing. Why, is, why wouldn't he like that? I, that's, a, that's a good question. Yeah, well, he didn't like it. He lost. I guess he didn't like because, it. Because, because it's hard with it to give up that second goal. That's what he should You know why he didn't like it, Peter? Because it's true. That's why. Right. Because yeah. Craig Anderson is weak at handling the puck. How emotionally wrought were you by giving up that second goal? That's what he but here's how you could annoy the winning coach, which is hard to do, right? <laughs> but he asked Vigneault if there's a difference between games two and three. Was that they The difference between games two and three, rather, was that they finished tonight's game, meaning played a full 60, and right. apparently he didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. well, excuse me. You have a two-goal lead with three minutes and nineteen seconds left to go in the third period. You blow it and lose and lose it in double overtime. Your team didn't play a full sixty minutes. The evidence no, is I mean, there. And the thing yeah, is, you know, I mean, you know, press it's tough to get anything interesting. I know. And look, Dennis is a sharp cookie, and he's not trying to stir the pot. Those are legit questions. Sure. Yeah. Goalies in playoff games are really the worst place to go for quotes. I mean, they are. Yes. You know, I mean, because that's that those guys are, you know, they're they're emotionally. Actually, it's not true. Lundquist, you could always talk to win or a loss, but you're right mm -hmm. as a whole, yeah. mostly. Yeah. Rene, same way, yeah. but you know, most yeah. of them you get that for sure. Let's go on to Nashville, St. Louis, because. Uh, uh, yeah. Russ, you just get lost in Henrik's dreamy blue eyes. Come on. Yeah. He took his mask off yesterday, mid game, totally disheveled, right? His hair, he did one hair comb it was perfect <laughs> i hate that but, but remember as, when a, I, as a bald guy i hate that when I, when I use the now internet famous app face app to come up with the 20th prettiest yeah. player that look like women um which was really Please. really popular blog that everybody seemed to love um lundquist, lundquist looks horrible as a woman so there you go throw that out well, there maybe try joel instead yeah you know barry trust now that's a woman um, anyway, um, so let's move. Come on, please. Oh my God, I can't believe I did. Faustina Matthews, thank you very much. I'll never get that image. He looks hot. My head. He looks hot. 
talk about the Nationals. Let's talk about hockey. And not- How about Jonathan Taves? Come on, Jonathan Taves? Come on, that's really good. No, I'm going to ask you guys something sociological because I don't know what it's called, but I've never seen Peter Laviolette do, and I'm going to say it's either called the crossbow or like the – Oh, this thing? The Pete Townsend, the that thing. Yeah, what <laughs> – is it the what is that? The machine gun, whatever it is, he did it. Yeah. You know, the Elvis. That's the Elvis Presley. That's an Elvis Presley movie. Oh, that's the Elvis no. punch the air thing. Okay. Yes, it was, you, you, had, you had it. You had it right. It was Pete Townsend at the end of the video for Rough Boys. <laughs> yeah, but that Elvis, Elvis was before Pete Townsend. Yeah, so Elvis. Okay. You gotta go with Elvis there. Leave um, that on the bench. When have you ever seen Laviolette do that on the bench? That's crazy, because I agree with you. Laviolette has never shown any emotion. Nothing. That's, we've seen him in the Stanley Cup Finals. Twice. Nothing. Okay, uh, you know, that was more emotion. I mean, I mean, he knew how important that goal was, obviously. So, but that was more emotion than than he, you know. And I think this is why I think he shows so much emotion on it because what they said is that there was that big fight that went on, and that penalty was ridiculous. Like the Nashville shouldn't have had that power play in the first place, but they did, right? They gave an extra penalty to yeah. St. Louis, which was really a bad call, um, I thought. But I think a call completely generated by Laviolette himself, who argued for that, um, and you know, when they because they. Um, Pierre Maguire was saying, you know, Laviolette's thrilled about the fact that he got that extra call because he was really yelling that they should get a they should get a power play. We should have a power play. We should have a power play. So I think that you know he argued for that call. Then they score on that power play. I think it all kind of plays into Laviolette was just fired up that they scored that goal. So all right, that game. Um, can I say one thing about a player who's going to be a, who's going to be an RFA this year that is just shocking to me? That as just to me is taking over the playoffs for the Predators is Victor Arvidsson. Yeah. Oh yeah. We talked about him before. He, for whatever reason, this is like his big awakening. He is so good in both sides of the rink. Like he's great defensively. He's a great penalty killer. He's crazy fast. Obviously, he's super skilled. He makes really good plays. He actually reminds me of Jonathan Duran in a lot of ways on the offensive side of things. Defensively, he's way better than Duran. You 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 want to you want to complicate things even further for Nashville, and I'm sure they'll 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 worry about this after the playoffs and just accept all the success that they're having right now. Not only Arvidsson's an RFA, Ryan Johansson is an RFA. Yep. So okay. you're talking. That's you're, always fun. That's going to be a great time. Um, yeah. We've seen we've seen we've had like how many blogs have I written about Ryan Johansson? Contract? I believe they'll they'll be, they'll get him signed. I think you know, I think he's happy there. I think he yeah. realizes that this is his place, that he's not going to go anywhere else. Um, yeah. But I do think that this is an example. Like, you know, the Predators have a really solid contract system going right now, with the exception of P.K. Sedan making $9 million a year. Um, but, you know, besides that, you know, they don't have anybody really in the in the stratosphere. Like, the next best, next highest player is Forsberg at six, and then they have, like, five and four, and that's it, you know? So you're looking at... Well, this this could mean this could mean the departure of Mike Fisher because Mike Fisher's making around four and a half million. He's a UFA. Never. I mean, he's played he's played he's played really good for them. But back they, I mean, either that I or they increased the budget. The world that Poyle will let Fisher go because and just because they they feel so loyal to him and for all you know he's taken less money in contracts for him, for them before. He'll take less money again. It's not like Mike Fisher needs the money, and he loves playing there. He, he's so it's fat. This yeah, is like yeah. Shane Doan was in in Arizona. You know, it's very similar to that in a way. Um, but you know, here's the name that you Shane need Doan to watch. This is the name you need to watch for Nashville. Brad Hunt. Something okay. tells me Brad Hunt will be the defenseman that gets selected by Las Vegas, and not any of the other guys we've talked about. He's a UFA, so, right? Sort of deal made. He's a UFA, though, Brad. Is he a UFA? I don't know yeah, about that. UFA. He's a pending UFA. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. Um, 
Uh, if you UFA, then never mind. In Cap Central. Um, okay. You know, I I think Matt Irwin could get picked up. Like they're going to make a deal so that they don't lose a defenseman. That's really what I think. That's exactly what's going to happen, Russ. They've got too good a defense core yeah. to mess with it. Yeah. I mean, you know. So I think they'll go to great lengths. I thought he was the guy, but I didn't realize he's a UFA. The UFOs are Parento, yeah. and I'll let Parento go because he's not, you know. Yeah. Um, Fisher, like you said, um, you know, Harry Z is a, a UFA. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brad Hunt and, um, and Yannick Weber. Are, Yannick Weber plays for them quite a bit too. So he, but here's the thing: wait, Brad Hunt may not be over with. Maybe they'll sign him before the expansion draft. That could happen. No, they sign him, they, Maybe they'll sign him after the expansion draft. No, 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 they no. They don't have to protect him if he's a U.S. No, they don't want him. They want him to go to Vegas. I think. Well, yeah. Okay. Him, then they could let him. Then they could they could open him up to go to Vegas. You're right. Right. And that's possible. That's possible. But if they, they sign him, they work out. Here's what I say. Keep an eye on this because if they work out a deal with McPhee, if you see them side Brad Hunt, then I think Brad Hunt's going to Vegas. That's what I think. Well, I, mean, I, I think – see, this, this is one of the – you know, not to get far afield here, but one of the things Vegas is going to do is they're – I mean, they're going to make a ton of deals not only because they can but because it benefits them. They, they don't have to fill just a 23-man roster for the NHL. They have to fill a 25 – to 30-man roster for the AHL as well. So you're going to see, and you know, specific to a team like Toronto, you're going to see Toronto trade a kid like Josh Levo, who's an NHL player, to get Vegas to pick a guy like Eric Fair. You're going to have those kind of deals, so they get two for the price of one, and the Leafs get to protect other players that they don't want to lose. That's the type of deals that are going to happen. And you know, a deal like Hunt going and then picking somebody else makes sense. And George McPhee's going to get a phone call from twenty or thirty other GMs yep. asking for that same deal. Yep. And yeah. I mean, can you imagine what his strategy planning is like right now? I mean, it's got to be absolutely incredible. I mean, his his whiteboard's going to make Steve Bannon's look civil. Oh, oh, oh! Don't go there. Wow. Um, yeah. No politics. One please. is a whiteboard on how to ruin America. The other one is how to build a hockey team. They're completely different. True. Yeah. Right. Just, just build. No, the, the, the whiteboard to ruin the, ruin America is at the Democratic National Committee. Um, I think the Predators are doing really well. Um, I'm going <laughs> to change the subject. No, I mean, I really, I, I'm, I'm. That you know was a, was an incredible game. It was a really, it was really you know it felt like to me like both those goalies were just gonna we were gonna play all day like watching the game you could see it from the beginning. But but you know they obviously you know Rene made some great saves. Although Rene almost got caught at the end of the game a couple times doing his Rene thing, which is like Rene's problem is when he gets fired up and things get really exciting, he overcommits to things. He almost did that a couple times at the end, but he still man they still managed to get through it because Ellis played out of his mind um, and. You know, basically, yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, I, I, it seems like the Predators. Do we think they're through? I mean, do we think that they're going to go through now at this point? I mean, oh, yeah, I, I think they're. I thought they'd gone through anyhow. Yeah, I did too, and I think that I think that this is going to be tough for St. Louis to even take. I mean, for the Blues, it's a real. This is a real uphill battle now. That, and I, mean, I do think, and I do think Laviolette's unlocked Yarncroft. I do. I think he yeah. is getting the most out of him. Yeah, no, he is, and that's another player. You know, they they really have just they've shown a lot, and they're you know, despite the fact that Diala, you know, that was a big loss. They really still yeah. they're still really piling it on, piling it on nice. Let's move into tonight's games really quickly. Um, I talked to somebody that had a really interesting theory on Ovechkin. Okay, because what's happened now with this whole thing 
is the ship, you know, Rossi wrote the article we all talked about. It was a little bit crazy, <laughs> but it was at the same time, you know, there has been a big groundswell among the NHL now that Ovechkin is guilty. You know, like he has like gotten away with something and that he was guilty on that deal, uh, you know, that he, when, and when you look at it, you know, like if you, if you watch Ovechkin on that play, he does two hand Crosby, right? You know, to the head. It's like, it's a crazy, it's a crazy situation. Oh, no, 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 no. It was to the shoulder and then it hit the head. Yeah, but it's the shoulders close enough when you're two-handing somebody to be. I, I, I've said that Ovechkin is a predator. I believe it. Yeah. And, and according to Elliot Friedman, there were players on the Penguins who had more trouble with Ovechkin's yeah. baseball swing than they did with Niskanen. So. Uh, no, and I think that, and that's intensified. Um, I think that's really intensified over the last day or so. And to the point where I talked to somebody who wonders if this will affect Ovechkin at all, like. Because there is one thing that you know, I've you have seen. I've seen in the past. Ovechkin doesn't love negative publicity at all. Like this is not. That's I not. I don't think it'll affect him. I don't no, think no. it'll affect him. But I think he's just going to go out and do his thing. There's too much I think at stake. In the first five reputation. minutes, he'll still attempt to put somebody through the glass. Yeah. He has ability. He has. He has. And we'll see. We'll see. But well, I mean, it's something to look for because there this series past where Ovechkin, and when he's been called out for being dirty, has yeah. sort of retreated from his game a little bit. Mm, uh, we'll see. I mean, this is, the importance of this series overrides anything. Like this is yeah. this is legacy defining for Ovechkin at this point. Yeah. And he's got to get this team through this series and the next one. Yeah. And he he should be playing that way. He should get dirtier, frankly. Yeah. Like, if, if, <laughs> I don't know if he can get dirtier, Peter. Yeah. Let, let's yeah. start there. No. But but yeah. but you know what he will. I agree with Peter. He's going to be even more of a bull in a china shop than he has been in the past because this is his opportunity. Without Crosby there, uh, you know he has got to take take the next level and try to dominate. And if he doesn't, I mean, right honestly, right now the impression of Alex Ovechkin overall as a playoff performer, as a as a performer for Russia in the Olympics, is of a choker. And if and if and if and if he if he you know if he steps to the forefront and gets the Caps past this series, even without Crosby in the lineup, I think he cleans that away a bit. But if they lose, I think that's cemented. That's etched in his tombstone. Choke artist. I think it's a team thing. The choking thing is a team yeah. thing. I can't call the guy a choke artist when he's almost a point a game career in the playoffs. I can't. Yeah. And um, and the Penguins have to be really careful about how they treat Ovechkin tonight. Like, it, there's so much anger, there's so much intensity going on. I mean, you know that Ovechkin is going to get run tonight. There's no question about it. And maybe the refs will let that go a little bit because they realize what happened and they know what's going on. I, I don't think. I don't think if the Capitals on the power play tonight. The Penguins are in trouble. They can't. There's no Sestito. We were wondering. There's no Sestito. Yeah. But here's the thing. Pittsburgh can't run Wilson. Leave Wilson alone. You're going to lose that battle. They do need to run one of their guys just yeah. to show them that you can't run roughshod over them. I, I think I think Jan was right yesterday. They're not going to run Ovechkin because that's like running into a Mac right. truck. You're going to run right. into you're going to you're going to work Backstrom and you're going to work yeah. Kuznetsov. That yeah. those are the guys that you can you can affect by being physical. And I you know guys yeah. like affect the most by being physical might be Shattenkirk, honestly. And I said, yeah, I said that yesterday, and I, it makes it makes a lot of sense because you, you're physical with him, you neutralize his offensive game. Um, one little one little note here because we mentioned it earlier. Bobby Ryan should be good good for Game Four, but Zach Smith looks to be doubtful. 
Uh, also, Anaheim, Anaheim, Edmonton tonight. Patrick Eves has a lower body injury. He is doubtful for tonight. Um, and that's, the, you know, big game there, Anaheim, Edmonton, because I think if Anaheim – uh, does the reverse of what Edmonton did, wins both in Edmonton, I think Anaheim's winning this series. I mean, right now, Edmonton's playing really well, but I still am questionable about Talbot and how many games he's played. And he I still don't – same. I will say that. Yeah, he didn't. He did not look good in Game Three, and I no. think I think Anaheim really started to put the pressure on Edmonton's defense. And Edmonton's defense has played better than they have recently, but I still think they're not that great. Peter, how do you see this one playing out, Edmonton Anaheim? I, you know, I think Anaheim's going to keep pushing back, and it's going to be a tie series. And uh, and then all of a sudden, the Oilers are going to realize, you know what? We're in. We're in. When we're in a best of three, and we only have one game at home, and now we got we got to win on a road two more times on the road, or at least one more time on the road, and it's going to get even harder. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do. Here's the thing, Anaheim. Anaheim last year, remember against the Predators, they they lost the first two games at home and won the next two in Nashville. They they said this is how this played out, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, the Ducks lost in Game Seven. Um. The problem here is, you know, this is either a six or seven game series for the Ducks to win, right? So, yeah. so six game series, you know, all right, maybe if it's a seven game series, you're looking at the Ducks in a game seven again at home. You know, that's like, and I, I know Boudreaux's not there, but it doesn't much matter. It's like, it, to me, it's the same situation. It's like those yeah. on that team. I, I mean, think it's different now. Yeah. I do. I think, I think it's different, and, you know, you can say, well, Randy Carlisle's last game seven was around this time four years ago and didn't turn out too well. But game but, seven's a crapshoot. Let's be real about yeah, that. Exactly. It is a crapshoot. Well, but because it's a seven-game series, it's, it, it, there's so many variables that go into a game of hockey anyways. Why not, like, you know, but in theory, a better team will win more often than, than a less better team. But as you further – in the, the the gap closes particularly in the playoffs so yeah. now you've got so many variables going on now you multiply it by potentially seven games and it does become a crapshoot odd things happen posts here hot goalie there like yeah. it's that's just what makes it interesting no that's what makes seven to seven game that's you know it you know you either see two things happen in a series you either see you know this the, the you know obvious seventh game or you see what happened like in montreal say montreal the rangers where a team just starts to take over, right? And you're not, and you know, Montreal and the Rangers took over Montreal, like, and and it became obvious who the better team was. And you know, the, they could have played a best of fifteen or best of twenty-one or whatever. Montreal never would have beaten the Rangers in that series because the Rangers just they, they started separating themselves. You're not let the Oilers, the Oilers, the Ducks tried to do a little bit of that in Game Three. You know, they tried to do that thing. Of, okay, we are going to separate. We are better than you. You're a great young new team, but we're going to show you why we are the experienced team. And you saw Anaheim do that. They have to if they can keep that going in this game. I agree with you if they can win that. But but the problem is, is just McDavid and Drysaitel are just too talented. Like they they really. They are, but here's the thing. I want to ask your feel of it. If you look at if you told me this this series, you didn't tell me who was up or who was down. I would swear that Anaheim is up in this series. Right. I would. I just, wouldn't. Yeah. See, I would. 
See, I, I, I would for some, well, one simple reason. Talbot stole one of the games in Anaheim. Yeah. And Anaheim didn't get on track offensively in one of the games until the third period. Correct. And then when they did, they scored two goals in like a minute and a half. The first so, five periods of this series was Edmonton all the way. I mean, the first five – I mean, that, that's what I felt like. It felt like to me like yeah. – I mean, Anaheim didn't even look – I mean, you remember – I remember watching the game on NBC, and I think it was Keith Jones who said, you know – this could be a short, real. This could be a four-game series the way Edmonton's playing against Anaheim. You know, like I felt like Anaheim had nothing going, and they right. got they got right. going. They got a great game. They had a great game three. You know, they, they whether they can pull it off in game four or not, it's a big question. Well, I, I, I mean, to me, the, the the question in this series is: Can Anaheim maintain that level that they have to to win this win the series? Because, like I said, game game one, they were comatose for the first two and a half periods, and then switch it was on and they scored two goals well, I'll, I'll tell you one small advantage i think carlisle has the fact that he pulled off that trick play in and and was it the last game yeah that now they have to look out for that and they might overcompensate just because they think they're going to do it so yeah. now that's sort of like you know when a baseball pitcher when you think he's throwing the spitball and he never actually throws it but now the other team is sort of looking out for that they were <laughs> they were taken to school on that Eck, and that's that's got to play in their psyche a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, with a young team like that, you would think it would, you know. Um, although, you know, the Sharks always had a good had a good record against Anaheim with McClellan. You know, I always remember, I know that he's, he's one of those coaches who's always known how to kill coach against Anaheim. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I felt like in the first two games you saw. We'll see. I mean, I think that, I mean, tonight's games are going to be both incredibly fascinating. I, I have a quick debate question because yeah. I, I talked about this with someone earlier and – we did talk about this two months ago. So now, as we get closer to the end of the season, before the expansion draft, I do think that there's a chance that Matt Murray is the guy that gets traded again. Yeah. I thought that a few months ago based on a conversation that I had. Oops. And I'm thinking now that the chances of that have increased. I've heard this mentioned around here, too, because Flurry has often been listed as a target for the Jets to solve their goaltending problems and to bring him in if they could get him and find a deal with Pittsburgh. Um, but, like, what happens if they go all the way? Right. And ride Flurry? No they they go hey, all the way. There's no way Flurry's going to say, yeah, go ahead, I'll, I'll leave. Yeah. yeah. There's no way. Well, I mean, yeah. the, only, the only thing that, on, from the from the Pittsburgh point of view, the only thing that's a question mark regarding Murray is the fact that in the two years that he's been in the NHL, he's been hurt two times. Right. And and, and durability, you know, for uh, durability is always a factor with players in terms of being traded or being kept. Now they especially they when you know that Flurry can still be an elite goalie, right? And you think Murray can stay at the height of an elite goalie if he's healthy. Like, and, that is, that is going to factor into it. And, Russ, yeah. they have another young goaltender in the pipeline, and they Tristan do. Jerry, who is, you know, I think regarded, you know, I mean, now he's not as far along as Murray, but is regarded as a pretty good prospect. Yep. So it's not like if they trade Murray, they're going to lose, you know, the, the, they don't have somebody in the pipeline as a future potential right. number one starter. But this is every day that Pittsburgh gets another win, this becomes more of a reality in my mind. Yeah. I mean, the problem is that, you know, well, there's a couple things. One, Crosby going down. The first thing I thought of, babe, this, is, this is how stupid I am, because this is how much I have to think about trade rumors and stuff like that in my head, and this is how much I think about trades. The first thing I think about when Crosby's going down is this scenario with Flurry and Murray, because I immediately thought, okay, now maybe, 
you know, the Capitals come back and win the series or, you know, or they, or they, they chase Flurry somehow, you know, like they, they, they score a couple goals and Murray comes back in. And then, you know, so th this is, it, to me, it was on more of a path of this before Crosby got hurt. Now with Crosby getting hurt, I think that actually does, that could change potentially the way this goal really can change it out. But not if they win the series. They, and I think yeah. Pittsburgh could still win the series. But if they win the series, I mean, they're still not guaranteed. I mean, I'm, you know, to win, if they go, if they go out in the in the conference finals, then what? You know, like then. I, mean, I think you you have to bring Flurry back if you if you if he gets them to the conference finals and Murray is on the bench the whole time, I think you have to bring back Flurry, especially if Flurry says, "I really don't want to leave." Yeah, yeah I don't think that's, that's all. I'll just leave it there. I think that's the case, and I think that Murray's teammates don't want to leave either. Actually, so it's it's it's, it's a mess. Of, and I I do think McPhee will really do everything he can to, to get Matt Murray if that's the case. Like McPhee will. Try to make that happen somehow. Oh yeah, um, may, but probably via trade. You know, probably via yeah. trade. Um, what do you got? Uh, one, a couple quick things. Um, Buffalo GM situation. Uh, WGR Radio is reporting. Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet is reporting that Jason Botterill is the leading candidate. Uh, there's room, there are reports that he had a second wow. interview with Terry Pagula in the last couple days. Um, you know, and the Pittsburgh tie to the Pagulas is always something that makes sense. They, you know, he's been there a long time, so. Yeah, so successes and he's had great success with the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins. I mean, yeah. he's been really good for so many years, despite the fact the Penguins have been good as well. So yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, he's, he's definitely a well-respected guy, but I don't, I've heard that there's still, play, there's actually still first interviews happening. Yeah. And, and there's actually other players, other people going in for a second interview. I think the second interview happened two days ago, which is why a lot of these bottle rumors. Right. Okay. Because people saw them, because they haven't really been very secretive about bringing guys in. Like they bring, they're, they're not, you know, like a lot of times GMs will meet, they'll meet like in New York or something, like in New York City or whatever. They'll have, they'll, you know, teams will meet just completely off site. They've been, because they have so much going on with the Bills, they're doing it right there. So people are walking in and out freely, and you're seeing his interview. Well, the, the funny I can't thing, remember, Mike, does HSBC have revolving doors? I don't remember. Well, HSBC isn't even in existence anymore. So. Whatever, whatever the name of it is. Yeah, right. Key, Key Bank Center. Key Bank, Key Bank Center. Whatever the hell it is. Um, but uh, the other, the other thing is the, the first victim of the uh, the uh, Gary Bettman Olympic uh, gambit, uh, a KHL forward named Vladimir Kachev, who was rumored to be coming to North America. Uh, the Leafs were interested. A couple other teams were interested. He has signed a two-year deal to stay in the KHL because more than likely he's going to try to make the Russian Olympic team because none of the Russian Olympic players or potential Olympic players in the NHL will be able to come over. We should have risked the lives of these play of these NHLers then because it's – And, you know, we're hearing the rumor with Kovalchuk that he wants the Devils to trade him. My only comment to that is – you have no say in it. It's not up to you. Yeah, but uh, yeah. but Russ, you know you know what? Say is I mean, come on now. Why would the devil? No say in it. The devils could say we're going to hold your rights forever. What are you going to do? Right. I mean, no, no like, actually, no, no, no. It's all. It only lasts for one more year, Russ. For then they can hold them for one more year if they want. Right. Right. Okay. But but you know what? The, it's a it's a question of getting something for him or nothing for him. Yeah, but apparently he only wants to go to New York. So that's three teams, and he probably doesn't want to go to Buffalo. So now it's two teams. Yeah, yeah, it's like Buffalo. It's the rate. It's yeah, no, and and you know what? He wants to play. He wants to play with Tavares. Oh Lord! And the, the Devils aren't going to move him in the division. See, that's crazy. That's, that's what I'm saying. So they may just let it go. They'll let it go. For him to come back. I mean, and then not have his agent figure this out already is incredible. 
I know. That's we talked about it a year ago. If, Kovalchuk, if remember how it went out. Like, tape. Yeah, I mean, Kovalchuk doesn't think really that far out. I mean, it's like. No, I know. You're, 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 you're watching tape. Mike, I said a year ago he would be coming back. Remember? Right. You, but you're telling me that the New Jersey Devils would not take from the Islanders a, a defenseman like Mayfield or Pulak or, you know, like they one, might one not. Shiro might look at this as a, you know what? I can't make them better because it hurts me. It's yeah, but, not worth it. But yeah. Shiro knows that the Devils are two or three years away from being good. How much Kovacek really has to give still? I mean, it's like that's a big Well, if he plays with Tavares, it could be enough that it gets the Islanders to a Stanley Cup. No. It, it, you know, he, look, he could surprise us. But the point is, if Shiro gets to a point where Kovacek, let's say he goes to the island, let's say he signs a four-year deal, and in three years he's fighting to make the playoffs, and he's looking at Kovacek possibly eliminating his team in the playoffs, right. you're not going to feel real good about this. No, not if it's just for Scott Mayfield, no offense to Scott. I mean, you know, and I mean, remember Kovalchuk, I mean, the thing that really people have very, haven't, I know people who are very close to Kovalchuk, and, and the bottom line is he, right after he retired from the Devils, within like three or four months, he was trying to trying to undo that. I mean, it was just all kinds of great, he's just, he doesn't think too far out. It's like, that's all I can say. He's like really not um, that, that big of a thinker. So anyway, um, all right, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Peter, so much for joining us. Hey, pleasure to be here, guys. We're not doing a 2018 draft simulator? No, that's, that's a great idea. Um, no. Nope, 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 we're not. We are not. We should do something, like, you know, along the lines of, like, uh... you have a pet frog in there with you, Eck? Is that no, what that is? My phone vibrating against my microphone. I'm sorry. Um, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow.